Due to COVID-19, all coded reads are now done remote. But how does that work? In March, we did a remote coded read in Vienna, and later in this episode, I will tell you how we did it. Hi, my name is Peter Kofler. I am the Code Cop. Obviously, I'm fanatic about clean code, and for many years, I tried hard to develop quality software. Eventually, I had to change my motto to developing quality software developers. In this podcast, I will answer questions about facilitation, hosting, and participation of coded reads, or any kind of hands-on session in general. If you have any questions regarding your coded read, please send me an email or leave a comment. So how to run a remote coded read? So first, everybody needs to prepare for a remote meeting as usual. Make sure your camera is straight, turn the video on, try to be in a quiet room, mute yourself when not speaking, and so on. So in the beginning of the coded read, we gathered in, the, in a single video conference, we used Hangout for that, and the Hangout stayed open for all day, for the entire coded read. It was simulating the main gathering area. During the sessions, I turned down the Hangout to uh, bandwidth audio only, so it wouldn't eat my bandwidth, but still, if someone would uh, want to talk to the whole group, it would be possible. Next, we had a chat uh, that was also open all day. We also used the Hangout chat for that, so we could have also some uh, links there or share some information. Other people use a Slack organization, if you have one, and that's nice as well. Further, we had a prepared document, a shared document, so a Google document with a link to the main video conference, because you might lose that, and also with other information up front. And also we would add some stuff throughout the day, so the current constraint or when we would uh, come back after lunch and so on. Then we had some online Kanban board. We used Trello for that. We were collecting ideas uh, like learning goals or sessions there. There's a little uh, cool thing in Trello. You can use stickers and we use the stickers for dot voting. That worked nice. Then for the pairing, we used Zoom because it uh, has the best quality or audio video quality, but you can use other tools Something that uh, we were missing was an online timer. So I would like to have an online timer that everybody can see and it shows uh, the time uh, when the session ends and when we should return to the main hangout and then preferably it should make uh, a sound. I didn't find anything useful till uh, now because it is already difficult to keep the schedule in a regular coded read. Now in the remote coded read, this was uh, very difficult to keep uh, to the schedule. We also lost the lunch experience. Uh, everybody just signed off for one hour. I think that's preferable for people when they're at home and uh, maybe they wanna eat with the family. So we were just logging off and then meeting after one hour in the Hangout. We also had some show and tell from uh, different pairs and that worked with uh, the Hangout uh, screen sharing of the code. The quality of the video is not that great, but for a quick look, it was perfectly fine. For the retro, I'm still looking for a good tool. We just had a round of, uh, everybody said uh, a sentence for the closing retro. So that wouldn't be good for a large group. Now for the overview question of today's episode. 
What are constraints? A constraint is an artificial challenge during an exercise designed to help participants think about writing code differently than they would do otherwise. The constraint is the main tool to shape and drive the learning during a code retreat. So it's a quite important thing and they make exercises more focused or more intense. Usually facilitators are most interested in constraints. Some constraints exaggerate fundamental rules of coding or design. They feel uh, pretty hard when you do them first, but then after some practice, they could become daily routine. The object calisthenics constraint is something like that. More extreme constraints might still help you understand underlying concepts, but you would never use them in production work. So uh, like TDD as if you meant it, makes you understand emergent design, but maybe it's not what you would use day-to-day -day work, or maybe you would. Some constraints are just there to stretch you, to make you move outside of your back box. So they are the most crazy ones. For example, no arithmetic, which means you cannot use any number or a plus or anything. It's of course ridiculous. It will force you to do some new things. So that's the interesting thing. Constraints are also put in a certain groups. One of the groups is the missing tool, so that's just the name of a group. And it contains all constraints that take away something. Like the no mouse constraint is uh, from the missing tool group. Also there is a missing feature, so a missing feature of the programming language, like no if or cyclomatic complexity one. They're taking away features that you could use, so reducing your options, so they're missing feature. Then there is a bunch of quality constraints. They are about small classes, small methods. Uh, usually it's about size, quality constraints. And the majority, the vast majority of constraints is group stretch. So as I said, it's exaggerations. Like there is uh, the lovely 2080 constraint from Christian Haas, which says that uh, every identifier must be at least 20 characters, but the line must be um, at most 80 characters, and that's for static languages like Java. So that's really crazy, forces you to do some weird things, but that's the idea of a stretch constraint. Some constraints are inverted. They are forcing you to do something bad, like only use hash tables. Okay, maybe you do PHP and then your every data structure uses a hash table. Or write the worst code you can. Now, write the worst code you can is also pretty funny, but it's inverted. It makes you think about what is good code and then you do the opposite. Constraints also have focus areas, which means a primary area where which they're targeting to make new experiences or to learn or to grow. Uh, this can be pair programming or collaboration in general. Uh, of course, there are a lot of constraints focusing on test-driven development, on clean code, on object orientation and design, on functional programming, on naming, and much more. At the moment, my personal list of constraints contains 164 items. So not all of them are really useful. There are still some I have to try myself. Maybe I just saw them on Twitter and copied them. But I need more information about the constraint before I can use it as a facilitator. In episode 9, I also talked about some constraints that are suitable for the first session of the code retreat. That is all for this episode. I'm Peter Kovler and I wish you luck with your next code retreat or hands-on workshop. If you have any questions regarding your code retreat, 
please send me an email or leave a comment. I'm looking forward to hear from you how your event went. Coded reads are awesome. Let's have more of them.